So it is the 9th of November, 2019, the very early hours of Saturday morning here in Hanoi. And I'm coming to you today to ask a few questions about the film The Matrix. And we're going to start off with the question, was Cypher really the bad guy of the film The Matrix? Was he really the bad guy? Because on a service level, you'd say, yeah, he killed the good guys, or some of the good guys anyway. He tried to kill all of the good guys. He was going to sell out the whole group just to go back to the blue-pilled normie life. What kind of person would do that? He must be the bad guy, right? Well, maybe. But maybe there's another perspective. So we're going to be talking about that and so much more on this stream today on the 9th of November 2019, as I said. And maybe we'll go for about 20 or 30 minutes. What I mostly wanted to do was test out the internet at this new apartment I'm staying in here in Hanoi. I'm spending about one month in each place I go to. And so I just arrived in this one yesterday, so I thought let's test it right at the start. And if all goes well, maybe we can do a few live streams over the next few weeks. So let's take a look at this page I'm on then. Let's discuss The Matrix. This weekend on JohnTheBond.com, the member call is focused on The Matrix. Two weeks ago, we looked at the film Total Recall. And two weeks before that, we looked at 12 Monkeys. And so this is in, a, I guess, a line of calls that we're doing focused on films. And the films that we've chosen to look at all have certain philosophical or esoteric underpinnings or angles that you can explore in the course of a course. That's what we're doing. And this weekend, we're looking at The Matrix, a classic for anybody in any way involved in the broader conspiracy subculture or the ACT realm, as I call it, ACT, Alternative Conspiracy Truth. Anybody who's interested in any of the topics that, that we talk about in this little corner of the internet surely must have seen the film The Matrix. And I think most people enjoy it. I think most people like it. Uh, different people have different interpretations of it, but I think some of the basic ideas resonate with people. The idea of a, a red pill as a metaphor for seeing the world a different way. Most people don't see the world the way that some of us see it. You can't wake them up. It's not so easy. Until they wake up, they're part of a system. I think a lot of these ideas resonate with people. But the, like I said, the question I want to look at today is... Was Cypher really the bad guy in the film? And there's a few other questions that I'm hoping to look at on Sunday as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. You have to excuse my voice. I have to talk very quietly at this time of night. Sometimes my voice does not carry. So here are the questions I want to look at on the weekend. Let's go and take a look at this. Was Cypher really the bad guy? Which we'll be taking a look at today in this particular live stream. The white rabbit motif and tumbling down the rabbit hole. Because we see that same concept in 12 Monkeys. It's subtle, so not everybody gets it, but there's a white rabbit motif in that film, in a key scene, a key scene of that film. We see the white rabbit. In fact, we see the white rabbits on the feet. They're the slippers of the, the black character in the mental institution who explains what it is to be mentally divergent. He talks about going to some faraway land with other intellectual elites, but he knows that this is all just a delusion and that he's mentally divergent. That's in the film 12 Monkeys, and that character is wearing white rabbits while there's a cartoon playing in the background. Very interesting. Well, we see it again in The Matrix as well, don't we? We see the scene where uh, Neo, right at the start of the film, is asleep at his computer, and the computer says to him, follow the white rabbit. And then, of course, the people turn up, 
And one of the people has a tattoo of a white rabbit. And so Neo follows them, and that's where he meets Trinity at the, the nightclub. And the rest of the story follows on from there. So we see this white rabbit motif again. Now, in the film Alice in Wonderland, or in the story Alice in Wonderland, she follows this white rabbit down a hole. What's the white rabbit doing? He says that he's late for a very important date. I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. What is this date? What's he heading to? What's he doing? It makes me think of this concept of time. This concept, I'm here right now. This is the only moment there is in reality. I've got memories of the past. I've got ideas of the future. Some things of the past I'm very happy about. Some things of the future I'm excited about. But some things of the past I'm unhappy about. And some things of the future I'm anxious about. I have anxieties or concerns or worries or fears or all these things. All very natural. But the past and the future are not real in the same way that this moment right now is the present. I still find it difficult to wrap my head around that. I'm 32 years old. And uh, how much of the past was real? Do you know what I mean? And how much of it is just in my head? Seems to me as though... None of it is real. It's all just in my head. All of it. Even the things that involve two or more people. And it's like, remember how this thing happened? Oh, yeah, I remember that. But, but their memories aren't the same as mine. And so this concept of a fourth dimension of time, you know, is that you can actually go back there. I think that's a hoax. I think that's not real. This Einsteinian fourth dimension. I don't think it's a real thing. I don't think that's real. I think it's only now. I'm not saying that oh, I think that time exists, but we just don't have the technology to go back there. No, there is no going back there. There is no there to go back to. It's not real. There's only now. Well, the white rabbit, he's late for a very important date. He goes down the rabbit hole and Alice chases him. And we see this motif in the Matrix as well. Most of these people are not yet ready to be unplugged. Morpheus explains to Neo in that key scene where they've got that music. Who's the band who... Who's that techno group who does that music? I should know this. Clubbed to Death is the name of the track, but who's it by? I should know that. Anyway, so while that music's going on in the background, Morpheus is explaining what's going on to Neo as they're walking down Pitt Street in Sydney, as they're walking down Main Street in Sydney, and he says that these people around you, you know, lawyers, doctors, whatever, they're all part of the system. And until they're unplugged, which most of them are not ready to be, until they're unplugged, they're part of the system that makes you their enemy, or that makes them our enemy. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. In the conspiracy subculture, a lot of people seem to have this idea of, oh, there's, there's an us, the awake people, and we're going to wake up more people, and we're going to take on the evil elite, right? This is a very common sort of concept or idea that gets promoted. You see people stating uh, either explicitly or implicitly this idea of, oh, no, we, we're on a team, the, the lemmings, the blue pill people, they're on our team, they just don't know it yet, right? I used to believe that. Not anymore. Now I think what Morpheus was explaining to Neo is quite right. These people are part of the system, they are the system. I think we're all part of the system. But insofar as the truth is concerned, those people who are still plugged in, yeah, they still believe the news, they still believe what they were taught at school about history, all these kinds of things, they are the system. This idea of, oh no, he's on my side, he just doesn't know it yet. Uh, no. Insofar as I have a side, he's not on it. And he never will be. The vast, majority of these, the, the vast majority of these people will never in a million years be ready to to undo the programming in their heads. Is my, is my opinion now. That's my opinion, you know, here at uh, 2019, November 2019. But that wasn't always my opinion. I used to believe, oh yeah, yeah man, just a matter of showing people the evidence and the logic and 
<clears throat> and they'll get it. They'll work it out. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, in my opinion now. The Wachowskis. I don't understand what happened here. I, I do not understand this. They were the Wachowski brothers. Now they're the Wachowski sisters. What is the deal with that? What's the deal with that? I'm looking forward to the call on Sunday, asking the other members of the call, what's your opinion on this? What is the deal with this? Of course, an easy answer would be to say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're high up in the, in the evil elites Hollywood system, so they're being used to promote transgenderism. Like, that's the easy answer, and it might well be part of the, the real answer. But are there other explanations? How does this happen? How does this happen once? How does it happen twice? And of all people, the Wachowskis, the, the people who were responsible for The Matrix, a film where we see... There's a couple of scenes in, in the film that, that seem to touch on sexuality, but not in terms of sexual intercourse, but just sexuality more broadly. I mean, for instance, what happens when Neo has the thing taken out of his stomach? They kind of perform like an abortion on him, don't they? Trinity and the other female character basically are performing like an abortion on him. If you go back and look at it, that's kind of what it's like. It's like a cross between a caesarean section birth and a, an abortion, isn't it? And then when Neo is woken up in the Matrix and he sees what's going on and he's in this uh, giant battery farm, he is, uh, you know, released and he goes down a, like a birth canal, doesn't he? And that's just a couple examples. There's more in the film. And then the two guys who made the film become women. Very strange, if you ask me. So I, I don't really know what to make of that. So I'm looking forward to asking the other participants of the call, what do you make of that? What's the deal with this? I don't get it. And then Jean Baudrillard. So in the film at the start, in that scene where Neo is asleep and then he wakes up and it says, followed by a rabbit, he goes to sell the contraband to the, the disco dudes. And he's like, hey, if you ever get caught with that, you know, you don't know me, we've never met. He gets that contraband out of a book and that book is Simulacra and Simulation by Jean Baudrillard. Now in real life, that's not a book, it's, it's like an essay that you can get as part of a, a bigger book with more essays by Baudrillard. But in the movie, it's shown as just a single book. Why that book of all books? Well, Jean Baudrillard, many people don't realize this, he actually wrote a book called The Gulf War Did Not Take Place. And as many of you know, I've been criticized by a lot of people out there for saying that war is a hoax. The Iraq War never really happened. This whole idea of, oh, they, they said there was weapons of mass destruction to fake going to war, or they said Osama did 9-11 to justify a war. Okay, but the war isn't actually real. So they used the weapons of mass destruction or the boogeyman bin Laden to justify a fake war. So you've got a fake weapons of mass destruction or a fake boogeyman to justify a fake war. There's a grander narrative going on here. And this poor Drillard guy wrote, the Gulf War did not take place. How many people know that? Not many. How many people have read that book? Not many. Not only have I read that book, I've still got a copy of the book. One day I might uh, do a reading of it or something. Very interesting book. The Gulf War did not take place. And this Jean Baudrillard, he is like a highly respected philosopher. He was like a highly respected uh, continental philosopher. 
Yeah, and by continental I mean, you know, the, the kind of philosophers who tend to be very airy-fairy and they say a lot of things and it's really more poetry and storytelling than it is analytical, here's the logic, let's look at the premises. Uh, they're a very different breed of philosopher. But he was respected, he was popular, he came and gave a lecture in Australia that was well attended, you know, oh, we're going to go see this great intellectual. Well, how many people know that he was saying that Gulf War did not take place? Yeah. Now, some people who think they're smart will come back and go, oh, well, that's the title of the book, but that wasn't really what he was saying. He was just saying that what was shown on our screens isn't a real depiction of the war. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. All we've got is what's on the screen. That's all we've got. And then people have all these ideas in their head of what's really going on over there. No, we don't know what's going on over there. we just got pictures on our telescreen. Oh, well, Shelby, I, I know someone who, who freaking did a tour of Afghanistan. I'm like, oh, really do you? And what did he tell you? Did he tell you that someone shot at him and tried to kill him? Did he tell you that? Because if that's what he told you, he's a liar. Period. Okay? There's no war going on over there. No. There is strategic relocation and demolition. That's all. There's no war going on. Because war is not real. Because these nations are not at war. Because these nations themselves are not real. JLB, what are you talking about, mate? Well, go and check out my YouTube channel. Go and check out my website. It's all explained. Okay? But don't even listen to me. Listen to Bordry Light and then ask yourself, why is his book, Simulacrum Simulation, at the start of The Matrix? Oh, The Matrix, man, is full of red pills and it's telling you the truth. Okay, if you believe that, why don't you follow the clues that have been left for you? Why did the Wachowskis or whoever made this film, why they put that book right at the start? Yeah? The little thing that Neo goes to get to give to those disco guys, why is that hidden in Simulacrum Simulation? Why are we being given this clue? to go and look further into Baudry Light. Why? Why is that? I say there's a reason. And it's not just because the Gulf War did not take place either. That's, that's the first step. I went and read more of Baudry Light's essays. There's a lot more to this. This whole idea of simulacrum simulation. Ooh, it goes a lot further than mere metaphor, in my opinion. So we'll be discussing that on the call on Sunday. So let's take a look at the live chat then here at uh, johnlebon.com. This is on the YouTube channel. Take no notice, is in the chat. He says that Cypher was a normie. Interesting. TNG might be there for the call on Sunday. Jerry Gurgich says Blade Runner. You'll have to go into more detail, Jerry. Uh, I can add Blade Runner to the list of films that we look at for the member Discord calls, by the way. The great thing about the member Discord calls is that it's very much member-driven. So if someone says, let's talk about this or talk about that, great. Let's set aside a weekend, we'll talk about it. And then we record for a couple of hours, and then I spend a couple of days editing the call, inserting the clips and uh, balancing the audio, getting rid of the dead air, coming up with a very professional, I feel, very professional final product. Then I release that to the members, and then we discuss it, and uh, it's fantastic. It's a great format that we've got going. So we can discuss Blade Runner if, uh, if somebody wants, if they put it on the list. Be a good film to discuss, I think. One of my personal favourites. One of my favourite scenes of any film of all time is towards the end and I haven't seen it for a couple of years but at the at the end just before the replicator it looks like he's going to kill Harrison Ford but then turns out that he's not and he talks about how I've seen things that you people wouldn't believe and then something about entire ships being destroyed all of these memories lost forever like tears in the rain all words that affect, I'm obviously paraphrasing. And yeah, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about this idea of the past. I think the past that I know 
It's only in my head. So if I were to die, my entire past, that entire world as I knew it for the last 32 years, that would disappear with me. Those memories are only important to me. So many memories that I have of like parties that I went to or functions that I attended or things that I did that, that I've thought back on so many times and thought of these people who were there and the fun that we had. And it's like, maybe they think back to those things as well, but even if they do, they're not thinking, their memories are not the same as mine. And chances are they're not thinking back to those things. Chances are that, that particular night where all of this happened, that particular day where all of this happened, or all of these events that seem so important to me, yeah, they are important to me, but that, that's as far as it goes, you know. And any fire were to disappear, hypothetically, like tears in the rain, it'll all go with me. That's the way I see things now. Yeah, great film, Blade Runner. Nathan Oakley's in the chat. Nathan, uh, nice to see you there. Hope things are going well for you in whatever part of England you're from. TNG says that Neo is a girly male lead. Yeah, I mean, I like Keanu Reeves uh, as an actor, but uh, he definitely is a lot more androgynous, if we can put it that way, than an Arnold Schwarzenegger, for instance. Interesting choice of lead for the film, isn't it? Like, going back to what I was talking about earlier with the, uh, the abortion scene and the birth scene and uh, a somewhat androgynous or or not particularly masculine in some ways uh, lead, lead character, lead actor. Uh, is this live? Okay, so what you're watching right now, if you're watching live as I'm streaming it, this is live. But the thing on your screen, this, this I posted, this post on my website a couple of hours ago. So the calls are usually on a Sunday in the days before that, I'll put a post on the website to get the discussion going, to give people an idea of what I want to talk about, to remind people of when the call is going to be. So, for instance, this weekend, the call will be on 9 o'clock my time, which makes it 9 a.m. for New York and 2 p.m. for London. Sadly, pretty late for, for Melbournians or for Australians, 1 o'clock on the east, uh, this particular call. But the calls can be in my evening or my morning. So, for any given call... It'll either be the US or England or Australia. One of those three places will be will, will be missing out, basically. So for this particular one, yeah, the east coast of Australia, unless they stay up very late, won't be able to be part of it. But New Yorkers just have to wake up, or anyone on the, on the US um, east coast just has to wake up in time for 9 o'clock. And if you're in uh, Europe, it's a perfect time, Sunday afternoon, no problems. And so what I was going through earlier in this particular stream was just some of the areas I'm going to look at in the discussion. Basically, the idea is whoever comes along to the calls comes along with, well, what, what scene do you want to talk about? Uh, what questions from the film do you want to explore? Uh, do you have an interpretation of the film you want to share? Whatever the case might be. And then we just go through the list during the two hours, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So I've just gone through some of the things that I think I might be raising with the, the call members, the panellists, on Sunday. So, yeah, so there's a link to this particular post in the info box below. So, yeah, the Matrix. Let's discuss the Matrix. So this has just been a test. Let me know in the live chat, Is when you're watching this, is it buffering or is it coming through nice and smooth? The live chat says that it's coming through excellent. That's good. 
That's good. All right. So that being the case, uh, let's take a look at this Cypher character, shall we? Okay, so that should be on Cypher right now. So yeah, Cypher, is he the bad guy? There's this perception in the, the broader conspiracy subculture, or there's this idea, this belief, almost like a dogma of, oh, we are going to wake people up, right? People have to know the truth. It's our duty to tell people the truth. It's their duty to know the truth and to care about all this stuff, right? Putting aside the, the truth or otherwise of these truths, just looking at this idea that, oh, people have to know this stuff. What if they're happy not knowing? What if people are actually quite happy to lead their lives more or less oblivious to anything beyond getting a job, doing their job, earning money, spending money on a house or rent, food, school uniforms for the kids, some, some beer every now and then or whatever? What if they're happy? Like, what if they're happy enough? Who am I or who do you... Who am I, or who are you, to come along and say, oh no, you have to know more than that, right? This is a question I've been asking for several years now on Reddit Conspiracy, other conspiracy forums, and on YouTube, in the so-called YouTube Truth Movement. I've been asking this question a lot for years now, like, guys, what if, what if the masses are happy? What if they're quite happy not caring about anything beyond the immediate? And the typical response from the people who I lovingly call conspiratards is, oh no, you've got to tell them, you know. They haven't thought through it. They really haven't thought through it. They've just accepted this dogma, this faith, this belief system of, oh no, we've got to spread this, you know, like a virus. Well, in the case of Cypher, we're led to infer that when he was presented with the red and the blue pill, he wasn't told, if you take the red pill, you're going to end up pretty much all alone you'll end up on a ship with a bunch of what eight or nine people a disparate group of people you've never met before and now you're stuck with them on this sterile ship and uh, it's just going to be you some some butch women and uh, an acute chick who doesn't even have any interest in anyone. She's waiting for the one, basically. So even that's out of the equation. And you're going to be working the night shift, yeah? Watching computer screens. And you'll be eating a gruel. And you're going to be drinking engine degreaser to get a kick, yeah? You get the impression Cypher wasn't told all of this before he took the red pill. So he takes the red pill, and now he's on this ship. And he's relatively alone, right? Which is, of course, the case for anyone who wakes up to the TV lies, yeah? Oh, you, you realise that the TV lies about school shootings, for instance? Well, guess what? You've now gone from being one of the millions of people who populate your country to one of a few thousand, maybe, who know the TV can lie about that kind of thing. And, and who are you stuck with? Now you're stuck with all the, the conspiracy people. Some of them are cool, sure, but a lot of conspiracy people are just like the stereotype. They really are. This is who you're stuck with now? Jesus. And, uh, and and what are you doing? Oh, you're part of the conspiracy subculture. Oh, you're fighting evil, right? So in the Matrix, they're, they're fighting these, these weird alien monsters that come and, you know, try and kill their ship. There's no way that ship can take on those aliens or those monsters or whatever the hell they are. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a pointless battle, isn't it? Pointless. 
And so it is when you join the so-called truth movement. What are you going to do? Take down the elite? Give me a break. Give me a break. Does anyone really believe that? That's ridiculous. So you've just been conscripted into an unwinnable war. Yeah? Oh, great. Okay, fantastic. So you, you've gone from all these people you've got stuff in common with to a small group of people. You've now been conscripted to an unwinnable war. And uh, and that's that's what you've got, really. And now you want to bring other people into that, really. People who are quite happy in the Matrix. Okay, their lives might not be perfect, but neither are ours, neither are mine. But they wake up, they go to their job, they sit in traffic for an hour listening to the top ten hits, yeah? And a bunch of clowns reading out pre-scripted jokes that are not even funny. Like, the fact that they pre-script this stuff is just embarrassing because it's completely not funny. It's like, oh, so you you told us that something happened to you on the way in today. And it's like, and they pretend they haven't heard the story. It's just a complete disaster. How people listen to this is beyond me. But they do, and they're happy, okay? And they get to work, and they do their job, and it makes them feel good. And and then they come home, and they're, like, they're happy enough, you know? Their lives aren't that bad, okay? And they're no worse than my life, that's for sure. But you want to go and bring those people into your world now with your red pill. Why? Why do you want to do that for? That's what I'm asking. So Cypher got dragged into this world. He wasn't told what he was getting himself in for. And then he decided, you know what? I want to go back. I want to go back to the Matrix. Because in the Matrix, I can do anything. In the Matrix, you can do whatever you want. Okay, this is a world of opportunity. There are millions of people. You can talk to any of them. Some of them won't talk back. Move on to the next one, right? If you're a, a guy, there's millions of women. You can talk to them. Talk to one, you won't talk back. There's another one. There's an almost infinite supply of women in, in the Matrix, unlike on the ship, yeah? He wants to go back to the Matrix. There's an unlimited supply of food, yeah? Maybe you can't afford all the food. You can afford enough. You can afford that steak, that juicy steak. Mm-mm, yummy, yummy. On the, on the ship, all he's got is gruel. Imagine how much that would suck. In the Matrix, you've got all kinds of alcohol and drugs and all other kinds of thrills. On the ship, all he's got is, you know, moonshine. Yeah? Goodness gracious. So he wants to go back to where things are good. And that's what he decides to do. Now, to make that happen, he has to sell out his friends, but how are they really his friends anyway? He doesn't know these people. They're all just other suckers who took Morpheus as a red pill. Yeah? So, yeah. So he decides, you know what, stuff it. I'll sell them out, and I'm going back to, uh, to the Matrix. So I can see why people consider Cypher the bad guy. I get it. I understand. But I think if you take a step back and look at it, in a way, he was also a victim. He was tricked, wasn't he? Well, that's a perspective. That's a perspective. So let's take a look at the live chat then. John Dope 420 in the live chat says, I used to think I had to tell others the truth. Most don't give a crap and now I haven't got any friends. See? And this happens to, I'm pretty sure, all of us. When we first get into the conspiracy subculture and we learn certain things, we're like, holy shit, I've got to tell people this. So who do we tell? We tell our friends. Big mistake. Big mistake. Because in most cases, they are not ready to hear any of this. And the, the best case scenario is you bore them for half an hour or an hour. That's the best case scenario. More likely, you alienate them to some degree. 
you lose their respect or their camaraderie. And sometimes it can even lead to breakdown in relationships altogether. Further isolating people who suddenly feel so isolated, the last thing they need is to lose the friends they've got. They lose them too, bang. Now they're in the clutches of the truth movement on the internet. Yeah, the, the truth, the conspiracy subculture. Not a good place to be stuck, let me tell you that. So this is a common thing. Yes, interesting stuff. So let me know in the live chat, what do you think, Cypher? Necessarily a bad guy? Or is there another perspective to be taken in all of this? I'm open-minded. How many people out there are truly open-minded? How many are stuck on a certain thought train? No, no, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. That's, that's it, you know? This is something that I've learned over the last few years is most people, they can't really change their minds on things. They just, it's just not part of how they operate. It's just they have one set of beliefs and that's pretty much it. Occasionally they can be sort of steered onto a different track. So for instance, they believe they're on a giant spinning ball and now some charismatic YouTuber convinces them, oh no, you're on a flat earth and they, now they're on this new track. But they're just as static. They're just as stuck on this track as they were on the last one. They've just switched, but the momentum's the same. They don't have the ability just to stop and just go, hold on, which direction is, makes the most sense? They can't do that. They're just stuck on, on tracks, if I can use that analogy. That's one of the things I like about film analysis or discussing films with people, is saying, right, well, here's what I took from the film. What did you take from it? What do you think of this? Or here's a scene that means something to me and here's why. Does that make sense to you, or what are the things that you find important and why? Oh, that's, that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. It's a process I enjoy. But a lot of people, it's, they're not really capable of abstract thought in that sense. You know, it's, it's beyond them. Which is fair enough, you know, it takes all types, doesn't it? Wow, guess who is in the chat? This is full on. This is... This is, uh, this is really cool. There's a guy in the chat who goes by the name Matrix Decode. If that is the Matrix Decode who I know and remember, he's a guy named Ben who used to live in Spain, but he was originally from the United Kingdom. And we used to do a live show together. In fact, I used to do a live show called The Sunday Sessions back in 2015. And it was a Sunday night show where a bunch of us some of us in real life and some of us uh, online in Google Hangouts, we'd sit around and talk about all kinds of alternative topics, conspiracies and other things. And we were joined regularly by this fellow named Matrix Decode from, from Spain. But like I said, he was British. He sounded British, but he was at the time based in Spain. And this was 2015 when the whole flat earth thing was taking over the internet. And I got along really well with him. We did a couple of uh, calls, just, just he and I, just chatting about Flat Earth and about heliocentrism and, and the lies of science. And then, to cut a very long story short, we started doing a show together called The Baller Skeptic Roundtable. It was Matrix Decode, myself, and a fellow named David Weiss, who has a channel called Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, which I think now has like 50,000 subscribers or something. Back then, his channel was only a couple thousand subs, and so was mine. And so was, uh, so was Matrix Decode. Our channels were all much smaller back then. But, um, but anyway, we started doing this show called the Ball of Skeptic Roundtable, and we interviewed a new flat earther 
every week for like three months straight. We spoke to Mark Sargent, Jeronism, Eric Dubay, which to this day is one of my favourite interviews that I've ever done of all time. A guy called Wakey Wakey. Uh, who else? There was a guy called Stars Are Souls. There was... Um, who else did we have on the show? Oh, the Morgyle, who obviously would uh, later go right off the rails and, from what I understand, is now basically... basically... Uh, you know, someone who needs people to constantly give him money because he has a, a bad habit, an addictive bad habit. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Went right off the rails, man. Very sad stuff. But at the time, who, who was to know that that would, that would go that way? Who, how were we supposed to know? Who else did we have? I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of people. There was a guy who used to do really cool um, 3D renderings. What was his name? <coughs> what was his name, the guy with the renderings? He was a cool dude. I think he was South African, that one. Can't remember. But yeah, so yeah, we interviewed all these people on the, uh, the ball desk at the ground table. And, uh, yeah, 2015. And I remember I was going down to Melbourne one weekend. I was going down there, I think it was for... It was either for someone's wedding or for... My, one, of my, one of my brothers had a, an important school function or something. And I was living in Brisbane at the time, so I was flying down to Melbourne for that particular weekend. And we had an interview with uh, Eric Dubay lined up. So my plan was to do the interview from my parents' house. I was staying at my parents' place for that weekend while I was back in Melbourne. And I remember on the flight, on the way down to, to Melbourne, like I had to take my computer with me to make sure I had my, my equipment with me to do the interview. And so I, like I was boarding the plane and sitting on the plane with my laptop and I was like looking forward to this interview with Eric Dubay, who at the time I had a lot of respect for. And to this day, I still do have a lot of respect for it. It's a bit different now, the way that things have all panned out. But at the time, you know, I, I bought a copy of Eric Dubay's book and I found it very insightful. And he was living in Thailand, you know, and, uh, and doing this online thing. And I thought it was all really cool. And he was only a couple years older than me. I think he was 33 when I was 29. So that's not a big age difference either. And he was just a cool dude, in my opinion. And so I've, I've got this laptop with me on the aeroplane and I'm flying down to Melbourne. I'm thinking, man, this would be really cool if one day I'm travelling the world interviewing people. And here we are four years later and, yeah, I'm, I'm in Hanoi and I've been in Thailand. I'll go back there in a couple of months for, uh, for an event I want to attend. And this is what I do now. Now I do podcasts and videos and, and this is how I make my money now. It's crazy to think four years ago on a plane I was like man that'd be so cool <laughs> that'd be so cool if one day I could be like a professional podcaster or something and uh, and here we are yeah crazy stuff so so Ben Matrix Decode was a big part of that and uh, let me go through the, the live chat I think it is the real Matrix Decode let me just double check because there's a lot more to this story go to channel is this the real Matrix Decode yeah, that's him. Wow. Ben, it is so cool that you're in the chat. It's so cool that you're even out there. I like I didn't know what happened to you. Um Yeah, I mean there's there's a there's a huge story to be told here, isn't there? There's a huge story. Let me see. Let's go back to the website. 
let me think, if I type in uh, matrix decode, it should come up with something. This is such a cool, unexpected surprise. This is a real pleasant surprise. So here it is. This is impromptu chat number 13. So it's, this was May of 2017 that I last spoke with Matrix Decode. So that's two and a half years ago. Wow. So, so to cut a really long story short, we did the Ball Skips Roundtable after one season. After the end of the first season, we did 12 episodes. I was like, I want to take a break from this. I took a break from Sunday sessions as well. And from the, the podcast I was doing called the ARP at the time, the whole lot, I'm like, guys, I'm taking a break from this. And then I went and got a full-time job. At the time, I was only working part-time because I'd, uh, prior to that, been a student. And I was like, guys, I'm, I'm done with this. And then I went and got a, a full-time job. And I still have the YouTube channel, but but I, I went in a different direction from, from what I'd been doing in 2015, I guess. And then just so much happens that that is all explained in this in this impromptu chat so this is available as a, as a video have I got the audio there as well I would have thought the audio would be there maybe not what I'll do is tomorrow I'll turn this into an audio as well so that you can just download the mp3 but you can also just watch it as a video and basically this is myself and Ben chatting about everything that happened so the the Baller Skeptic Roundtable was in 2015 in 2016, uh, Flat Earth turned into a complete cult, 100%. And I know there's some Flat Earthers watching right now, and, and you're going to say, oh, it's not a cult. Okay, fine. In your mind, it's not a cult. But to many of us who were there at the start, yeah, it's an obvious cult. I'm not saying all the people who were in it are cult members. I'm not saying all the content creators are, are cult leaders. But the overall atmosphere, in 2015, it was cool. It was just people like me. People like, I'm not a flat earther, but yeah, what is the story of heliocentrism? I want to find out. Oh, really? They're claiming they can weigh the... This is the official story. They claim that they can weigh the entire earth with heavy balls in a shed. Did anybody know this? Like, what? How was I convinced that I live on a spinning ball? You know? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about NASA. That, that was the atmosphere in 2015. It was, it was more of this exploration of what we think we know. In 2016... No, but by then, it had become this cult-like, oh no, this is, this is the new great truth. This is the umbrella truth. This is what we all have to talk about now. And anyone who doesn't say they're a flat earther is the enemy. We're going to go dox people. Like, what the hell? It's crazy, man. Crazy. If you have any interest in sociology, anthropology, psychology, any of these fields, that whole 2015, 16 flat earth uh, explosion and then, and then cult... Um, agglomeration fascinating stuff so that, that all happened in 2016 and then of course uh, I started releasing a whole ton of videos showing all these problems with Flat Earth and what they were doing and then uh, Matrix Decode and I had not so much a falling out but I guess we just stopped talking because he was still with the Flat Earthers and I mean obviously I was not but then he subsequently decided that there was too much evidence that went against Flat Earth. So, so he did what I think is a very honourable and a very courageous thing. And he came out and said so. And he wasn't one of the top brass of Flat Earth, but he was well known. He'd been on Patricia's show a couple of times. Obviously, he'd been on my panel, on our panel for the Ball Skeptic Roundtable, which was the original show. Like the, Before there was a Patricia, uh, Patricia Steer, 
before there was a truth frequency radio flat earth any, before any of that crap it was a baller skeptic round table so Ben had been part of that so he, like anyway he wasn't one of the top tier of, of the flat earth he wasn't one of the leaders but he was well known so for him to come out and say no nah, actually guys nah I've done some more observations and, and here are the problems poor courageous so he got attacked mercilessly for that it was, it was full on and then, um, and then we, we chatted, and then it was like, hey, let's do a, a show talking about all of this. And that's what the impromptu chat number 13 was all about. So this is available completely for free on the website, johnthebond.com. I'll put a link to this in the info box below. And tomorrow, my time, so within, within probably 12 hours, there'll be a, an audio embedded on that page. So you don't have to watch the video. You can just listen to the audio. and It'll be completely for free. And I might even have to listen to that myself tomorrow because it's been a couple of years since I went back and listened to that. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. So yes, that, so so that fellow, that gentleman, who again, it used to be just Sunday sessions. We talked about everything. Anyone can come on the show. Who wants to come on and talk about something? Oh, Matrix Deco wants to come on and talk about Flat Earth. Come on the show. Let's talk about it. That becomes uh, a couple of impromptu chats. That becomes a boy skeptic round table. Like so so. so Matrix Decode was like a big part of, of my development as a, as a YouTuber, as a researcher, someone who was building up an audience at the time, and then even just the direction of, of how I wanted to live my life. It was like uh, Matrix Decode had lived in, I think, Singapore. He's a, he's a talented musician, and he worked in Singapore in some kind of freelance or uh, contract work to do with music production, I think. And then he was living in Spain when, when obviously we were were part of all of this uh, online stuff circa 2015 so I think he's a little bit older than me but he just had this um, you know live life differently to to how most people live their life you know it was very cool to me at the time and so so Ben was a big part of all of that so the fact that he is in the live chat right now is just a cool as um, surprise you know, it's it's one o'clock now here in uh, Hanoi. I have to go to bed soon, but um, this is really cool. This is really cool. Let me uh, read some more comments from the live chat. If you're just joining us, this is a test where I'm just testing out the the internet in this new apartment that I'm in here in Hanoi. I'm here for another four weeks, so I need to get the make sure the the audio is good and the buffering is good. The stream rate, basically, the upload is good. So let me know in the live chat, is the audio coming through all right? I've got a window open when I'm recording for the call on Sunday. I won't have that open, obviously. So there won't be as much background noise. But it's really just the upload uh, stream, um, like the upload speed and the fidelity of my voice. It's the most important thing in terms of practicing for, uh, for future, future work. So Brandon Berry says, Neo was just in another matrix. Nobody leaves the Matrix, not even Neo. He's able to stop the Sentinels, that's the word for them, in Revolutions. Oh, I haven't seen Revolutions. And I should have put this in the post. Let's discuss the Matrix. Let's go back to that. I should have put in this post, we're just discussing the Matrix on Sunday. We're not discussing either of the sequels. One, because I haven't seen them. But two, because the Matrix is a self-contained film. So there's... If we're talking for two hours, there's more than enough material just from the first Matrix. <coughs> where's, my, where's my water? Give me a second. In uh, Vietnam, you don't drink from the tap. You drink from bottles. 
Supposedly, if you drink from the tap, you get sick. I don't know if that's true, but I'm not about to test that, am I? If the locals all drink from bottles, and they do, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. So, yeah, where was I? Oh, yeah, the Matrix. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, from the live, uh, the live stream. Uh, so, yeah, so apparently he stops the Sentinels in Revolutions because he's still in the Matrix. Sci-Fi just realizes he's in the Matrix. Yeah, well, no matter what we do or where we go, the truth is we don't really know how we got here. I don't know how I got here. I used to believe what I was taught, which is that it's all just a coincidence, and my whole existence is, uh, is chance, yeah. I used to believe that. I'm still open to that, but... Now it seems more likely to me that this is... There's something bigger. There is something bigger than this. Yeah. And, and this could all very well be just a, some kind of test. And that would explain all of the ridiculous coincidences, yeah? For instance, the, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand car. Okay? The car that the Archduke was in, in 19... Was it 1915? When he was assassinated? His assassination led to what we call World War One, And of course that set the scene for World War Two, which set the scene for Korea and Vietnam and the Cold War, which set the scene for the rise of the Taliban and Iraq and Afghanistan. All of this goes back to World War One. Some dude gets shot, and the car that he's in on the day that he gets shot, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, has another plate A, I, 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 118. The day of the armistice of that war was 11 11 18. So A for armistice, I I as in 1 1, I 1 as in 1 1, 1 8, 11 11 18. It's on the car. But the armistice happened three, four, five years later. Happened subsequent to the assassination. So the car that was part of the start of the war had a number plate that gives you the date of the end of that war. A-I-I-I-118. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The idea that that could happen just by chance. Ridiculous. Instead, perhaps it is a, a sign. You know, like in the Matrix, for instance, when they're in the building and Neo's like, whoa, you know, deja vu. He sees the cat run past twice. And they're like, deja vu. That's a sign that something in the system has changed. Well, that's what I see things like that Franz Ferdinand uh, car number plate as. It's a sign. It's a sign that something's going on, man. Same with all these 9-11 references. Some of them seem far too overt to have been done by humans as well. These, these things strike me as signs. Potentially. This is my potential interpretation of the, of the world in which we live. Uh, maybe this is some kind of test that we're in. But, but regardless of, of where I go or what I do, or what I choose to do with my life, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm passing the test, you know. I can set my own benchmarks and pass those, but I don't know if, if they're the right things to do either. So whether it's Neo or whether it's Cypher, they're just gonna decide to do what, what they think is best, which is what all of us do. All of us just do what we think is best, don't we? Hmm. 
Validation Boy uh, says nice things about Matrix Decode. Validation Boy, by the way, nice to see you in the stream. I actually watched your most recent stream, believe it or not, and I noticed that at about 30 minutes, you <laughs> there's a section where you're like, was JLB right all along? And I was like, well, I would like to think so, wouldn't I? But uh, I do notice that you, VB, uh, are talking a lot more about what, what we might call gender realism, you know? There's a there's a massive deception in our world today about what men really are and what women really are. And yeah, if you want to talk about people who are in the matrix and people who still believe in this idea of of romantic love lasting you know a, a lifetime or thirty, forty, fifty years, it's like sure it probably can happen, but in general it doesn't. That's ridiculous. And then if you look at what happens with the state in the Western countries, the moment a guy gets married to a woman, she has a financial incentive to leave him. There's a complete power imbalance. This is just a fact. And yet, look how many guys, they can get married, get divorced, lose everything, they go and do it again. Yeah. Look at how many guys... I mean, I don't really want to get into this in this call tonight, but be like, VB, you're, you're tackling some very controversial uh, topics, you know, so kudos to you for that. My, my only thing that I would say, though, based on what I saw of your most recent stream, is, uh, is, is what you're saying coming from uh, bitterness or resentment? Because I think if that is the case, if that is the case, and it might not be, but if it is... I don't think bitterness and resentment are healthy for us uh, as individuals. And yeah, we have been deceived and some of us have been taken advantage of. But there's no point being bitter or resentful about it. Like the world is what it is, yeah. And it, yeah, there's no point being being bitter or resentful about it, I think. And, and the problem with a lot of the, the Mugatau people, as I see it, is they're just bitter and resentful. And, and they they feed, like they they reinforce each other's bitterness and resent, resentment towards the system and towards women. And that is not healthy, man. That is not healthy at all for a person. It's not, it's not healthy for your mind to ever feel like a victim, okay? Now, the way the system is set up, yeah, it, it goes basically the top-tier men, women... And then, and then most men down here. The vast majority of men are down here in terms of how the system goes, right? Most women can coast most of their life doing very little other than just showing up, okay? And they get plaudits and they get admiration, they get attention just for showing up, right? And they can get away with a lot of nastiness that men can't get away with, right? Above them, you've got the, the top-tier men. Below the women, you've got most men who no one gives a shit about. The average man, no one gives a shit about him. Nobody, right? Just showing up isn't enough. He has to, he has to provide something. He has to provide money, or he has to provide laughter, or he has to provide uh, utility. You know, help people with stuff. Otherwise, no one gives a shit about him. And even the people who do give a shit, only so long as he provides the resources or the laughter. Yeah. 
or the entertainment or whatever. Yeah, most guys, no one gives a shit about it. No one gives a shit. That's just the way it is. There's no point being resentful or bitter about it, in my opinion. But, um, but yeah, I did see the stream, and yeah, it's good to see you still out there. And I'd be very interested if we could organise a call with you, myself, Timmy Osman, uh, Jed Skeptic. Be very interested to see if we could get us all back on a call together and just reflect on you know, the last few years. It's, it's crazy to think how invested we all used to be in all of this. It's crazy to think how invested we always to be in this nonsense. Yeah, anyway, it's good to see you in the call though, uh, VB. Good to see you in the chat. My perspective, thank you, VB. The, the guy I was talking about, one of the guys we interviewed for the Boys Get Round Table, he used to do um, 3D renderings to try and demonstrate his version of the Flat Earth. Uh, his name was Rory, my perspective. Yeah, cool dude, South African guy. And by the way, all the all the ballers getting round tables are available. They're all out there somewhere. I've been slowly re-releasing them, but they're all out there somewhere if you look for them. And they were fantastic shows, better than anything that's out there today by far, in my opinion. Michael Hitskis says, "I always wanted to thank you for the Ball Earth round table, so thank you. Uh, you're most welcome, and uh, and I appreciate the the positive words. Yeah, four years ago, I used to put so much time and effort into that into that show. You know, I." Because whatever day that we were streaming that, I would usually have work in the afternoon before before the evening uh, call. So it was, it was evening for Australia, but morning time for America. And so I'd have an afternoon shift at work, and usually it wasn't busy. So I could just do some, I take some notes, do some prep work. Who are we interviewing? What do I talk about? Okay, great. And uh, and I tried to keep every call structured, and yeah, I did it properly. You know, like I wasn't. I mean, it's four years, four years on now, so I, I know more about interviewing people and how to structure a call. And you know, my production values have come a long way since those those uh, episodes. But I think even if you go back and listen to them from like now, I think they still hold up really well compared to everything else that's out there. Because most people these days they're just they're just talking shit over and over the same shit. No structure, no development, no progress. No focus on the evidence and the logic, nothing. It's just talking the same shit over and over. Because most of these people are going nowhere. So I think those those boys at the round tables hold up really well, personally. But thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate that. Thrice Ed Hermes is in the live stream. He leaves a comment that I think he's kind of talking about this world that we're in. He says, it's a job interview where we don't know what the job is, who the interviewer is, nor what the criteria for the applicant are. Yeah, that's that's how this whole world feels sometimes. You know, some people get given, they get given their, their rules, you know, in a book. They're sort of told, here's what you have to do. And then I guess more broadly, most people just follow the, the herd, they follow the crowd. Finish high school, go to college, get a job, find a wife, have kids. That's it. That's it, right? Which is fair enough, by the way. But uh, but we're free now. Like We're free to do whatever we want. You know, If you want to, you can end up a 32-year-old man in, in Southeast Asia running an online business talking about dinosaurs being fake. Like You can do that. I'm proof of that. So we're free to do whatever we want. 
we don't have to follow the, the, the common path. But freedom isn't necessarily a good thing for humans. It might well be the case that we're happiest when we're not free, when we're told this is what you have to do, this is what's expected of you. You do this and, and you're a success and it's easy, just follow these simple steps, right? Just be like everybody else. We might actually be happier uh, that way. I'm very open-minded to that possibility. We have incredible freedom now. But are we happy with that freedom? I'm not so sure that we are. On the micro level, the individual, or the macro level, the society, I'm not so sure that uh, with all this freedom has come so much happiness. But I'm open-minded. Uh, what have we got here? Ah, uh, yes, the Matrix. Tim Osman is in the live chat. Wow, this is, this is... If there was some way that I could pull you guys into this live stream somehow, I'd do it. And I'd stay up all night. It's 1.30 here local time, but this is crazy. Tim Osman is in the live chat as well. Alright, so if you go to johnthebond.com... Tim Osman and JLB discuss the truth movement. Now, this one definitely is available as an audio. I don't think it's available as a video anymore. I think Timmy took it down, actually. But uh, it's definitely about... Here it is. Has he taken it down? Yeah. Tim Osman does this all the time. He, he takes his videos down, but the audio is still available on my channel. Uh, earlier this year, when I was in Malaysia, so when was that? May. I chatted about uh, the truth movement, the flat earth thing, all of that with Tim Osman. So along the journey there's been several instances where I've been able to to chat with people who were there and say right let's just reflect on what happened. You know the, the whole 2014, 15, 16 so-called truth movement. Yeah crazy stuff man. And Ben, Matrix Decode, he was there, Tim Osman was there. And, and these people seem to come into and out of the, the broader subculture and they seem to come into and out of my online life because I'm always here guys I haven't, I've never gone away even 2016 when I was working a full time job doing some crazy hours at that job as well making some, some decent cash by my standards and working some crazy hours voluntarily mind you I wasn't like it was entirely voluntary I, I enjoyed I enjoyed staying back and, and making money in that job. But even then, I still had the channel. I never disappeared. I've always been here. You know, the last five years, I've always been here. I've never, never been away for... Never been away, you know. Maybe I might have taken a couple of days off here and there to, to go and do something in the real world. But, like, literally be a couple of days and then I'm still here. I'm contactable. My email hasn't changed. I've never cut anyone out and said, uh, you can't contact me. Like, I've never disappeared. I understand that people disappear. Like, it's, it's crazy that I haven't taken a few months off from all of this. It's crazy that I haven't done that. Everyone else, from what I can tell, they do. They do. You know, Matrix Decode has done that. Tim Osman has done that. Uh, people take extended breaks from all of this. But fortunately, so far, in most cases, if they've come back, we've been able to get together and say, hey, let's have a chat. What happened? You know, what happened... You know, let's, uh, let's reflect. You know, it's part of our lives, too. I mean, VB, he's a bit older than, than Tim and I. I think, I think VB is about 40, validation boy. Whereas Tim Osman and I, we're both 32 or thereabouts. 
So five year, four or five years ago, you know, VB would have been mid-30s and, and Tim and I were late 20s or, or 30. But for those of us who get invested in all of this, heavily invested, it's, it's a big part of our lives. It's a big part of our, of our story through life, you know. So it's cool that I've been able to have these, um, these chats with him and say, right, let's, let's have a chat. What, what, do you, what do you remember about what happened? What were your thoughts at the time? What are your thoughts looking back? If you had your time again, what would you do differently? You know, what did you learn from all of that? Yeah, it's good stuff. We're going to have to organize another call soon, guys. We're going to have to. But yeah, I'll put a link to this in the info box below as well. Getting back to live chat. Just give me a second, guys. My, I can't sit cross-legged for two hours anymore. Oh, that's better. Getting old, guys. Alright, where were we? Oh, yeah, the live chat. Tim Osman. Tim Osman says, Flat Earth is going from 5% to 95% overnight. I can't do my impersonation because I'm trying not to be too loud. You can tell from my voice, like, I'm not, I'm not putting any volume in my voice because it's, it's 1.30 in the morning and I'm surrounded by Vietnamese, local Vietnamese. And Vietnam, I didn't know this until I got here, but there's, there's a difference between the, the north and the south. I'm in the north now, I'm in Hanoi. The North, they don't really, they're not as friendly towards Westerners as the South. I'm not saying that they're unfriendly, but it's almost like they'll put us, they'll put up with us being here, but they're not, they're not happy about it. That's how it feels. So, uh, so the last thing I want to do is, uh, It's a street cleaner. Vietnam's a loud country, man. I've got a balcony here. It's not, it's not a really good balcony, but it's it's pretty cool to have the windows open. Let's in all the air, and it's a nice view. But um, yeah, Vietnam is a loud country, man. It's just a loud country. Everything's loud. Even in cafes, it's loud. People are loud. The streets are loud. And yet here I am, speaking as quietly as I can, to the point where my voice doesn't even carry, breaks up, because I don't want to piss off the neighbours. But it's like, man, this is a freaking loud country. Everything's loud. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Tim Osmond. So 5% to 95% overnight. David Weiss used to say this. Maybe he still does, I don't know. He used to say Flat Earth is going to go from 5% to 95% overnight. And of course he wasn't being literal. He wasn't saying that you go to bed and 5% of people believe Flat Earth and you wake up at 95. He wasn't being literal, but he was seriously trying to suggest that it was going to go big, it was going to explode, right? Which is, of course, a complete load of nonsense. And that's what I was saying at the time. I'm like, David, do you really believe that? Like, what are you talking about? And and all the believers just believed it. And, and they will still believe. They'll always believe. That's what believers do. They just believe, believe, believe. And, yeah. So Tim Osman was there for that. Good times. Good times. Hold on, let me get my mouse back.
Yeah, Tim says it's good to see Ben. Yeah, it is. How cool is this? I. If someone said to me, oh, Tim Osmond's going to turn up in the chat, I'd be like, that's cool, right? That's cool. But if someone said to me, you know, Ben's going to be in the live chat, I'd be like, what? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Really cool. Now, both of you are there. That's fantastic. Plus, some of the big names from my website are in there. Nate is in there. Thrice Ava Hermes is in there. TNG is there. Brandon Berry is there. Let me show you guys something. Let me show you something. A lot of people don't know this about my website. I've got these things called member creations. So the members of my website now, they send through to me their own essays or videos that they've made just to be published on the website. And Brandon Berry put together a, a member creation piece. In fact, I think it was originally a comment, but it was just such a detailed comment. I'm like, this should be its own piece. And uh, so Brandon Berry's in the live chat, TNG, Thrice at Hermes, Nate. Some of the biggest names from my website are in the chat right now as well. So so it's like the, the current time and people who were there four years ago, all in the chat right now. Crazy stuff. And there's, there's about 35 of these now. There's about 35 or 36 member creations. And almost all of them are just exclusive for the members. So it's like what I was looking for when I got into the conspiracy subculture, like other people who think, other people who create, other people who reflect, you know, other people who are like, well, here's what I thought I knew. Here's what I went and looked into. Here's what I discovered. Here's what I now believe. Because I, I used to think everyone does that. Most people can't do that. They're incapable of it. When I got into this realm, that's what I thought I was getting into, finding these people. And so to be sitting here now and like, yeah, there's, there's three dozen examples of other people around the world who are like, here's what I thought I knew, here's what I'm going to write about today, here's, here's what I now think, here are my questions, here are my reflections on this. Yeah, it's full on, man. Every one of these live streams now is just like a trip down memory lane for me. It's, it's crazy. So anyway, back to the... Uh, yeah, if you're interested in this, by the way, like these, these are available to all the members of JohnTheBond.com, all the full members, not the MOOC members. Uh, but yeah, all the full members, there's like three dozen of these. So it's not just my research that my website's about now, it's about other people as well. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been a big five years, man. It's been a crazy five years. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. I wake up every morning and I'm like, you know where you are, don't you? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in Vietnam. Oh, that's right, I'm in Vietnam. What day is it today? Oh, today's Saturday. What am I doing today? Mm, no, nothing today. All right, I'll go to the cafe. All right. Get up, go to the cafe. What the hell am I doing in Vietnam? I don't know. But yeah, next, uh, after this, I'll go to Thailand. There's an event in Chiang Mai, in the north of Thailand, I want to go to, in January. And then after that, who knows, man? Might go back to Malaysia. Might go back to Australia. Might go to Mexico. Might go to America. There's some people in America who invited me. I might go there. There's, there's one particular fellow. He's, he says he's got a, a big crib in Egypt. And he says I should come and stay with him. And I'm like, you know what? I might just do that. Who knows what the future holds, man? 
So yeah. Anyways, where were we? Let's get back to it. The Matrix. That's right. Uh, Matrix decode says we can catch up soon. Awesome. Well, dude, my email is still the same. So get in touch, man. Let's have a chat, either on the record or off the record. Let's have a chat. It'd be epic. Nate says, I woke up, looked at my phone, and saw a notification saying JLB started a live chat 17 minutes ago. 17 is the number of initiation. And I don't mean initiation into johnthebond.com. I mean, it is the number of initiation. Period. I joined the chat, and the first thing JLB says is, Nathan Oakley has joined the chat. Well, he had. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have we got here? Tim Mosman says, prenup or nothing yet. Tim, I, look, I could be wrong about this, and you know, you should, you, I'm sure you do know the laws in the United States better than I do. But my understanding is that prenups are a hoax, okay? They're not real. It, they don't protect you from anything, is my understanding. I could be wrong. Uh, Nate says, it's not healthy for your minds to feel like a victim. No, it's not. And this is a trap. I mean, every now and then I still fall into this trap, but only like on a small scale. But a few years ago, I fell into this trap on a, on a bigger scale. Like feeling like, oh, the system is against me, right? That's how I really felt. I felt like the system is against me. For a whole bunch of reasons, you know? Oh, they're lying on the TV and they're brainwashing us at school and all this stuff. And it's like... Even if all that stuff is true, and it is, that doesn't make me a victim. Only I can make me a victim. And if I choose to do that, everything else in my life is affected by that. And it's very unhealthy. And the whole conspiracy subculture is full of this. Let's view ourselves as victims and sit around complaining about it. It's messed up, man. You should see Reddit conspiracy, right? Which is a big, r relatively speaking, it's a big conspiracy forum. As far as I'm aware, it's the biggest on the internet today. It's bigger than Godlike Productions, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's bigger than the David Icke forums, as far as I'm aware. It's, it's the biggest conspiracy forum on the internet today, as far as I know. And it's just a victim mentality hive mind, man. It's, it's not healthy, man. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. You know, and then... Yeah, like, I won't, I won't get into it too much, but... You know, I've come a long way in five years, you know. I look back at what I was saying five years ago, and it's not whether it was correct or not. It's like, what was I focused on? Even if everything I focused on and said was true, what was I focused on, and what was that doing to me? And what kind of listeners was that attracting at the time? And what effect was I having on the listenership at the time? And most importantly, what effect was I having on me at the time? Because I'm only responsible for me. The listeners are responsible for themselves. The viewers are responsible for themselves. But I'm meant to be responsible for me. So what was I doing five years ago? By focusing on certain things. I, I don't think I was helping myself. I thought I was, but now I don't think so, no. It's never good to see yourself as a victim, in my opinion. And of course now in our culture, in Western culture now, this is actually encouraged among children to see themselves as victims in, in all kinds of ways. If they're non-white, you're a victim of the whites, right? If you're a female, you're a victim of the males. Pretty much everyone except white males now is encouraged to identify as a victim, 
it is messed up, man. And that that is not the case in Asia. Okay, I'm not saying Asia's perfect, it's not, and it's got plenty of problems. And many of our problems are becoming their problems. But this, this victimhood mentality that is taught in our schools and by our televisions, that's not a thing here. Not in the parts of Asia I've been to. People don't. And, and then and then what happens is when you spend enough time here, you think to yourself, holy shit, that is the big difference here. Here people are not trying to be victims, right? That's There's many differences between us, but, but this one I think is, it might well be the biggest difference is you're among people who are not trying to be victims. Whereas in our society, people my age and younger, yeah, it's that's what we were taught at school is to be victims. To see ourselves as victims, it's messed up. When you actually take a step back and, and see what's going on, it's very toxic for you. And, and the conspiracy subculture just amplifies it, doesn't it? Just amplifies it. And, and that's why you, I think that's why you get so many toxic people in the conspiracy subculture arguing with each other, trying to tear each other down, talking shit about each other, doxing each other, just being so negative. Well, because what kind of people are attracted to to a, a victimhood hive mind? People who are not healthy. People who are not healthy mentally. People who are not healthy spiritually. Yeah, why would you want to surround yourself with that? No. Bad. Not good for you. I'm so glad I got out of that. Let's see. Alto says, just changes how you'd view Cypher. Um, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but that comment is not detailed enough for me to know what you're saying. Nathan Oakley asks, would you invite David Weiss back on? Sure. Why not? Why not? The, the issue... What happened in 2016 was, early 2016, was that David released this video which supposedly showed the sun shrinking, which it doesn't. Whether the Earth is a ball or it's flat or it's neither of those things, which is my opinion, the sun doesn't shrink. And he, he released this video, and to this day I don't know why he did it, pretending to show the sun shrinking. And all of his idiot viewers seems to believe it was real. And I just had one of those, like, what the hell's going on here? At the time I didn't realize how foolish people are just gullible and stupid most people I didn't realize any of that and it was all starting to hit me all of a sudden and other things were happening at that time too and like in terms of me learning what was going on and and remember this was all just a couple months after the ball the round table had, had finished so so we still had this familiarity with each other and we're still talking behind the scenes occasionally and there's still this sense of obligation like hey we you know we're, we're at the forefront we were at the tip of the spear of this thing you know, this is before people like Patricia Steer and all these others had really built up their platforms. This is when, hey, we, you know, we, we were the baller skeptic dudes, and, and so we've kind of got like an obligation, you know, to, to what we've been part of building here. And then so f for him to release that video, and then there was another video to do with the ISS so-called blue screen or something. And I was just like, what is this guy doing? You know, and then, and then I made a video explaining that, you know, once upon a time people like David were saying that if you could show that you can fly among the southern continents, South Africa to Australia, Australia to South America, South America to Africa, there was a time when people like Dee Murphy and David Wise were saying, if you can prove those flights exist, then that blows a hole in flat earth, right? And then when those flights were shown to exist, they completely changed their story. And I'm like, guys, what is going on here? What the hell is going on here? 
and so and so that led to a, a you know there was no animosity like there was no making videos about each other like David Weiss and I never did anything like that as far as I'm aware I, I never did anything like that to him I, I don't think he ever did that to me he's he's too smart he's too professional he doesn't get involved in that nonsense that's one thing I've always respected about him when there were issues going on with Matrix Decode and uh, another Flat Earth um, personality both Dave and I were, were saying don't do this publicly don't don't cause problems publicly it's not good for anyone it's not good for any good person don't do it so yeah so, so Dave and I never did anything like that uh, acrimonious there was nothing it was just like well I'd previously respected him thinking that he was in this for the the truth and then some of his his um, videos I was just like no there's there's something not right with all of this and so I, I lost a lot of respect for him you know intellectually I suppose and uh, but there was no animosity I hope, I'm, I hope I'm conveying that properly so and also too you've got to remember I used to take this all way too seriously I've said this before several times I say all this way too seriously. Now I'm like, you know what? If if David wants to make his flat earth videos and his viewers wanna buy flat earth clocks or attend conferences, good, fine, no problem. Right? Because back at the start of twenty sixteen I was still in this this freaking virus mind idea of oh no, there's a truth movement and, and they're damaging it. Whereas now I'm like, there is no truth movement. There's just cottage industries, people entertaining one another. People want to be involved in different uh, e-communities. Yeah, they're, they're looking for something in their lives. They want familiarity or companionship or something. What what difference does it make to me? It makes no difference to me. So, so all of what was happening in early 2016, if that happened again, I'd have a different reaction to it because I'm a different person. I I understand things differently now. So it's like what I'm trying to say to you is, in terms of David Weiss, like it's it's two o'clock now. I've got to go to bed soon, but. Suppose this was 9pm, and I got a message from him saying, Hey, I'm doing a live show right now, do you want to come on? I'd be like, sure. There's no animosity. There never was animosity. That wasn't the issue. The issue was how I perceived things and, and what was happening. And, uh, yeah, that's what happened. So, yeah, I've got, I've got no issue with David Weiss. I, I don't know what his uh, attitude towards me is. I have no idea. We've had no contact since, since mid-2016. So it's three years. It's a long time. I've got no idea what, what his sentiments are towards me, but yeah, from my end, there's no animosity whatsoever, none. And I hope, look, he's put a lot of effort into his Flato stuff, and I, I saw that he was on, um, he was on Alex Jones, wasn't he? he? I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. I'm pretty sure David Weiss was on Alex Jones a few months ago, if memory serves me correctly. He's put a lot of effort into all of this, so I hope he is reaping the rewards. I hope he's selling his clocks, making his money. Why not? You know, he's giving his audience what they want. I've got no issue with that anymore. Uh, what else we got in live chat? Let's see. Street cleaner at 1am. Uh, yeah, man. I'm telling you, this is a loud country. You go into a cafe, it'll be peaceful for 15 minutes, then they'll just start booming the music, right? For no apparent reason. Uh, people honk all the time here. You can't hear it now because it's so late, but in the daytime, non-stop honking. Like, you know, in, in our countries, people will use the horn only if, if something is about to happen, someone's about to drive into them, honk, you know, it's, you don't use it for no reason. Here, they just use it while they're driving. It's kind of like letting everyone know that they're there constantly. So just constant honking. It's just part of, of 
that's just part of Vietnam. That's just how it is. Straight up, just how it is. Like honking your horn means something very different here to what it means to us. Here, it's, it really is more like um, how do I describe it? I don't know. Part of safe driving, I suppose. It's like they kind of feel like it's almost as though they feel it's their responsibility just to every few seconds just honk. Let's let everyone know that they're there. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's a loud country, man. It's, it's just, it's a loud country, yeah. Mikey Colon asks, how do you reconcile practically everything we've been told is a lie? Well, obviously, it, like, it's a process. You know, I, I learned about the Boston Hoaxathon, what, 20, late 2013? It's now 2019, and I'm still learning about things that are lies, like... Early this year, I discovered that the Titanic never existed. I discovered that diamonds, you know, the things that people put on their um, engagement rings, those are not mined from the earth. They're made in Chinese factories, just like cheap plastic toys. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that some diamonds, I'm not saying all of them. All of them are just bullshit manufactured in, in um, factories in China. All of them. I only discovered that this year, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, ultrasound, you know they ultrasound babies in the womb? I only discovered this year that it's been proven by them, by the authorities themselves, that ultrasound retards the growth of the fetus, right? I only discovered that this year. Uh, what else? Um, incubators? I never really thought about it. Like what effect does incubators have on the baby? Turns out that incubators are, how do, I, how do I term this, how do I word this to you? Whatever problems incubators claim to help, at best they do a worse job than just having the baby with the mother and they introduce a whole bunch of other problems to the child as well. And the long-term consequences of this are drastic. I didn't even know about that till this year. So I've been doing this for like six years now and I'm still learning stuff. So, so how do you reconcile it? Like, I think what you mean by that word is like, how do you deal with it? I, I don't have uh, an answer for other people. For me, it's just like, this is just how it is. This is just how it is. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know if it's all like a big test. I don't really know. You know, I just wake up every day and I do what I have to do. You know. Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You still got a life to lead. You know, you still got things to do. And hopefully you've got goals to work towards or things you want to achieve. You know, so Yeah, you just you just get on with it. Just get on with life. Basically. It, it's full on, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. And like within the conspiracy subculture, me like, I'm on the fringe of that subculture. This, the conspiracy subculture is on the fringe of society. This is society. The conspiracy subculture is over here, right? Now, if we zoom in on that, within this, people who know about media fakery, they're the fringe of that subculture, right? Now, let's zoom in on this fringe of fringe. Within the people who know about media fakery, how many, like me, are convinced that war is a hoax, nuclear bombs are a hoax, outer space is a hoax, dinosaurs are a hoax, diamonds hoax, don't come from the ground, all of these things, fringe, okay, fringe of the fringe of the fringe, 
I am. And, and some of the members of my website are in the same boat. So, yeah, there's, there's a few dozen, maybe a few hundred other entities, yeah, humans, people, who I can sit and have an honest conversation with and not have to hold back my real opinions on things. A few dozen, maybe a few hundred. In the whole world. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And yet that appears to be the reality. Yeah. So it's yeah. But then but then on the flip side of that, I'm making enough money from talking about this stuff and writing articles about this stuff and running a website for people like me to have an Airbnb in the French quarter of Hanoi and to go out and eat the food I want to eat, drink the drinks I want to drink. Yeah. Go to the gym I want to go to. That's crazy. That's even more crazy. And if I can do this, then that means that you can as well. Any of us can. Yeah, I went to this entrepreneur meetup recently. And I like to go to different meetups in the different cities I go to. I like to meet people and talk with people. Obviously not about this stuff. Uh, I wish I could talk about this stuff with people in real life, but obviously that's, that's not a plausible thing. But I use meetup.com to just meet people and make contacts and, and this kind of thing. And uh, fortunately, some cities have an entrepreneur meetup, which is generally full of positive people, people who want to run businesses and this kind of thing. And the point that I was making to someone, like I told them straight up, yeah, I run a website where I said the dinosaurs are a hoax. I told them. There's a room of like 15 people. And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Now just hear me out. That, that, that's a tiny, a tiny niche I've got a very small market to pitch my wares to. And yet, I'm successful enough to do all of this. Right? I don't make that much money, but I make enough to do this. So what that means is that no matter what your interest or hobby is, you can make money on the internet as well. People have money to spend. People want entertainment. People want to feel like they're part of something. Right? Whatever your niche is, whether it is Star Wars appreciation or Boston Celtics appreciation, or cosplay, or knitting, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Your market is bigger than mine. How many people believe dinosaurs are a hoax? It's not many, and it will never be many. Too much brainwashing, too much Jurassic Park, yeah. You see little kids in Hanoi walking around with, with, with freaking Jurassic Park shirts. Seriously, these kids can't even speak English, and they've got Jurassic Park shirts on. Kids love dinosaurs. People are too brainwashed to question dinosaurs. So, so if I can find enough people out there who are interested in these topics enough to build my website, if I can do that, then no matter what your interest or niche is, you can as well. Whatever your interest or niche is, um, one meal a day, right? Or you're into veganism, or you're into meat only, or you're into libertarianism, or whatever the hell you actually care about, other people do too. Probably more than how many people care about what I'm doing. So, so we live in an amazing time, an amazing time of opportunity for people. If you're really passionate about what you do, if you really care about what you do, in my case, I'm passionate about skepticism, passionate enough to spend hour after hour reading books that no one's ever read, no one will ever bother to read, checking the sources, taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. This thing is freaking full of notes on, on material I haven't even released yet. Some of it I might never release, but the notes are all there. Painstaking research. Why? because I'm passionate about skepticism, this idea of questioning what I think I know, what's the evidence, right? I turn that passion into an online business, and now I'm traveling the world, right? 
That's amazing. That's freaking amazing. So, so we live in a crazy time, my friend, a crazy time when people believe all kinds of nonsense and will always believe nonsense and the TV lies and school lies and all this kind of stuff. And pretty much everyone around us is deluded and wants to be deluded about all kinds of things. Yeah, that's all crazy. Crazy, man. Every day I'm blown away by it. But it's also crazy what we can do because of this thing, the internet. What is the internet? I don't even know. How is this possible? How is it possible that you're listening within a second or two of me saying something, you're hearing it, and you live a million, what, uh, 10,000 miles away, right? And yet I say something, you hear it a second later, and this costs nothing, costs me nothing to upload this, costs you nothing to listen. That is, that is just, I, I can barely get my head around that. That's magic, man. That is magic. I'm not joking. That is straight up magic to me. And I think it's been revealed. I think they've revealed to us that this is magic. They've given us magic for some reason. That blows me away as well. That blows me away. So, so yeah, so how do I reconcile it? Well, I think what you mean by that is how do I deal with this? Well, you're watching right now. This is how I deal with it. I talk about it. And uh, I write about it. And I make podcasts about it. And I make videos about it. And then I spend my spare time walking around the streets of Hanoi going... What the hell am I doing in Vietnam? What the hell am I doing with my life? Why the hell am I even here? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, need to wrap this up soon. It's two o'clock. Need to get some sleep. Let's have a look. What have we got here? Mason Montoya says, JLB, have you looked into... 432 hertz versus 440 hertz conspiracy not properly I haven't sat down my research methodologies takes a lot of time and a lot of effort so if I look into something properly you know by the end of it I've got a piece ready to go usually the what you're talking about the 432 440 thing I've heard of it I've listened to people I've listened to podcasts people talking about it I might have watched a video or two about it so I'm, I'm familiar with the theory with the notion but I haven't done my proper research into it. Now, if I was to do proper research into it, I'd want to start off with the basics. If they're claiming that we now tune to 440, or if they're claiming that we now tune to 432, whichever the case is, can I test that for myself? And the answer should be yes. I should be able to test that for myself now. And then they're claiming it used to be a different tuning. Okay, what's the evidence that that's the case, right? So I'd have to go and learn the basics of music theory that I don't know. I'm not a musician, sadly. And I don't, I don't really understand the basics of, of music theory. But it, it wouldn't be too hard to learn. It would just take hours and hours to, to study it, right? So I'd want to do that. I'd want to test as much as I could, find out what's the best evidence that there was a change. That would be the research I'd have to do. And I haven't done that yet, to be honest with you. So I'm open-minded to it, this idea that they changed the... Because what are they saying? They're saying that they changed C from 432 to 440. That's the basic claim, I think. Something like that. And then, of course, from C, everything else is is tuned relative to that, is my understanding. Again, like I said, I haven't researched it. I'm open to the idea that it used to be 432, then they changed to 440, or vice versa. I'm open to that. They could do that, and they could get away with it. Why not? Why not? But I, but I don't know if, they, if they've done that. So that's that's on my list of things to look at. And I don't, I don't want to say too much, but... Um, 
welcome to the website. I don't think that's giving too much away. But yeah, cool, cool to see you in the chat, man. If you just got here, you've missed out on quite a show. Uh, all of the big names from the website today and all of the big names from what I was doing four years ago are all in the chat. It's, it's epic. It's crazy. Yeah, Nathan Oakley says that the tuning is arbitrary, it's meaningless. Yeah, but does it have an effect on us? Does the sound waves have an effect on us, right? So if C is at 440, that's an extra f eight um, oscillations of sound per second. And then again, every other um, note is, is tuned relative to that. So what effect does sound have on us? I think sound does have a huge effect on us, man. Big time, big time. Like it's frequency, it's it's frequency. It's 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 impacting our bodies. It's not just our eardrums; it's our whole body that's affected by the uh, the oscillations of the air. Yeah. So so the like the fundamental idea that by changing that you can affect people. Yeah, that to me that that's cool. That's not the issue. Like the fundamental idea being put forward, that's not the issue. The issue is is it actually did they actually change it? And like most claims of history, I. I'd be surprised if it actually was verifiable. But um, the fundamental idea, like in the physical sense, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that big time. See, okay, Anthem X, thank you, Anthem has corrected me. A is tuned to 440, and then every uh, note is tuned relative to that. So thank you for the correction. And then he says, but yeah, that's the gist. So what I was saying before, I got the basic idea. Uh, I just got the, the C and the A wrong, so thank you for correcting me. Harmonic theory is very important to understand for anyone interested in how reality works. I would believe that. It's practical application of pure mathematics. Yeah, so if you look at the, uh, the quadrivium, so you've got the trivium, which is the grammar, the logic, and the rhetoric. The quadrivium, and it's been a while since I've looked at this, is uh, numbers, so arithmetic, numbers in space, which is, I guess, geometry, numbers in time, music, numbers in time and space. Well, I'm embarrassed. It has been a couple of years since I've looked at this. What is the quadrivium? Arithmetic? Music, geometry. What am I forgetting? Let's see in the live chat. See if you can do it without googling, because I just I just got six of the seven without googling. What is the quadrivium, guys? What am I missing here? Arithmetic. Two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning in Hanoi. I should still be able to get this. Arithmetic. Geometry. Astronomy. Numbers in time and space. Yes, that would make sense. Really need to revisit that. To cut a long story short, I'll let you guys in a secret. I looked into the history of the trivium a couple years ago. I didn't just try and learn what is a trivium. I also looked into the history of it. It's a hoax. The trivium doesn't go back thousands of years. It goes back a couple hundred years tops. That doesn't change the usefulness of it, though. It doesn't change the application of it. 
or the utility of it, but its history is a hoax. So anyone who really applies the trivium with the grammar, logic and the rhetoric to the trivium story should discover that it's a hoax. And, and all of history is a hoax as well. Yeah, um, numbers, numbers in space, numbers in time, numbers in time and space. Uh, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Michael Hitsky says 440 is A. Yeah, so again, I was wrong. I was saying C, but it's A. But I think other than that, I think the basis of what I was saying was, was on the money. Ah, uh, yeah, so uh, Mason says that he's Dr. My Eyes, so I didn't want to say that, but uh, yep, there you go. So Dr. My Eyes is one of the new members of JohnLeBond.com and actually was the inspiration for one of the uh, most uh, popular posts on the site recently. If you look at the recent comments, look at all these comments on the post called Food for Thought. Food for Thought was a post that I put together based on an email that I'd received from Dr. My Eyes and also another new member called Ravi. And so I put together this post here, Food for Thought. And I'm not logged in, so you won't be able to see it. When you're logged in, you can see the post that uh, Dr. My Eyes put together and Ravi as well. And Ravi had those questions which I, uh, I tried to answer. You know, a, a nuclear, a, a submarine's real, you know, for instance, or is colonialism real? Some of the questions I was asked, so I put together this post and yeah, it's up to like 30 comments now, I think. There you go, 33. Okay, that's nice. 33 comments. And that's largely due to, uh, to Dr. My Eyes, who is in the live chat. So, what an epic live chat this has been. Crazy stuff. Uh, here we go. Anthemex says, Quadrivium third tier is harmonic theory. So yeah, music. Pure numbers apply to time. Bailed Fry says, fourth is astronomy, bro. Excellent. Thank you. Did you did you know that, or did you have to look that up? Because I just got that. I haven't thought about the quadrivium in a long time. And it's two o'clock. Not a good excuse, but it did take me a moment. But uh, I got it. Because it makes sense. Numbers, numbers in space, numbers in time. Numbers in time and space, which is astronomy. Because those things up there, we're convinced, oh, it's a ball of gas. All these balls of gas and gravity is pulling them in this big, hundred, you know, multi-million uh, mile dance around space. That's all a hoax. But that doesn't change the significance of the patterns that those lights make. Because it is patterns. And that's what music is. It's, it is, like it's only music if it's following some kind of pattern, right? Like even just a 2-4 beat. It's following a pattern. The lights in the sky do. And, uh, yeah, I won't say too much more about that, but that's an area I, I do want to investigate further uh, at some point in the future. So, so thank you to Anthem and Bailed for answering the question. I'm not familiar with either of those usernames, by the way, so if you guys are new to the channel, welcome to johnlebon.com. Welcome to the YouTube channel. I'm John LeBon. I've been doing this for five years now. Can you believe that? And I'm currently in Hanoi, Vietnam. Beautiful country, crazy country, love it. And uh, this is what I do. This is what I do. Not so many live streams these days, although I'll try over the next uh, few weeks to do a few more. But this is what I do. Anti-Zog Cypher says Neo State of Birth. Um, 
1971, but it expires on September 11, 2001. Yeah, this is, this is true. The Matrix, which was made light, late 1990s, Neo's passport expires on September 11, 2001. What are the odds of that? A film which is all about red pills, people being plugged into the Matrix, signs, interpreting the signs correctly, deprogramming, getting out of the Matrix. They just so happen to have September 11, 2001 right there on Neo's passport. What are the odds of that? What are the odds? Nathan says he has to go, but he thanks me for the stream. Thank you, Nathan, for, for being uh, being part of it and for being positive. I appreciate it. Anthem says he's known about the Trivium Quadrivium. Um, you know, I think his message is saying that he knows it sort of off by heart, which makes sense. Nathan just made a joke, which is only funny to me and to about, I don't know, a couple hundred people around the world. But uh, it's that is classic British self-deprecating humour, Nathan, and I appreciate it. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, I never made a video about all of that, that um, what went down. I, I heard about it, but... Um, If, if what you were accused of doing were true, it would be very horrible. But it, it could just as easily be a false accusation and a mishearing of what, of what happened on that stream. So to this day, I, I don't judge you. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Anthem says that he was subscribed years ago, but was unsubscribed. Well, my channel was deleted. I had a channel with like 7,000 subs. It took me years to build up, and then suddenly she was deleted. My own fault, because I made all these videos about Sandy Hook, which you just shouldn't do. You shouldn't do that. And I knew that, and I did that, and it was foolish. So I paid the price, and, and my channel got deleted for uh, community guideline strikes. That's why these days I say to people, look, what you need to do, it's very important that you do this. If you are interested in any of this, whether you agree with me or you disagree, whether you like my style or you hate my style and you just want to tune in to hate, whatever your interest is in what I'm doing, if you want to know uh, where my new channel will be if my current channel gets deleted, or if you want to know where I release material that's not on YouTube or elsewhere, because I use a ton of different platforms for all of this, then what you need to do is go and join the mailing list. It's free. It takes five seconds, right? Click here. Sign up in seconds. Right? Just put an email address and a name. It doesn't even have to be your real first name. It doesn't matter. Just put something in there. Put your email address in, and then you're on the mailing list. Most important thing. And I should have done this. I should have promoted this more with my old channel. I wish I had of, but I, I just... I just didn't. I, I had a mailing list, but I just didn't promote it properly. So then when my old channel got deleted, I was able to send out a, an email to my mailing list saying, hey guys, here's my new channel, right? But there was only like 100 people on the mailing list. So out of 7,000 subs, I really should have had several hundred on the mailing list. I should have been able to convince, hey guys, sign up in case my channel gets deleted, right? But I didn't do that. I just didn't put the effort into promoting it. So then when the channel got deleted, I'm like, oh, no problem. I'll go and send a, an email to the mailing list. There's only 100 people there, right? So most of those people went and signed up to the new channel straight away, but most of the 7,000 are gone forever. 
So now I'm going to try and promote this. I keep telling myself to promote it in every video, but I just, I don't. But I've remembered in this video. So go and join the mailing list, guys. It's easy. Look at this, right? You go to johnlebond.com and then put the video at the top. Support is below that. And then the mailing list. Click there. Put in the details. doesn't cost anything. I send on average one email a month. I try and make it two or three. But it, it takes longer to send the mailing list mail than you think. Like you don't just send it. I use a, a place called MailChimp. So you have to go to compose new bulk email, fix up all of the inserts, type it all up, send a test. It takes me like it takes me like half an hour, man, minimum, to send a a bulk email. Which doesn't sound like much, but it's something that's so easy to put off. Oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And then next thing you know, it's been a month since I sent one. So I, I try to make it twice a month, but probably once a month I send an email. And there's always a link to some podcast that is not available on YouTube or to some video that you can't see on YouTube or something. There's always something. There's always some little goodie in there which you have to do to keep people on the mailing list so that when you need it, such as your channel getting deleted, bang, send it out. So you go and join the mailing list, guys. It's easy. It's free. It's, it's, a, it's a piece of piss, basically. All right. Well, guys, I need to go. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's 2.20. I need to go go to bed. So um, thank you for, for joining me here. This has been, was Cypher really the bad guy in the Matrix? Just reminding you then that that call will be on Sunday. That'll be Sunday morning for America. Sunday evening for me here in Asia. Sunday afternoon if you're in Europe. And we'll be talking about the Matrix. All these questions about it. Interpretations, analysis an esoteric perspective on the film, what were they trying to tell us, what can we take from it. Those are all the kinds of things that we'll be talking about on the call on Sunday. The calls are done through the JLB Discord server. I've got a Discord server for the members of my website. So as soon as you sign up to the site, I send you a link to the Discord server. You don't have to join that, but most people do. That's where most of the discussion takes place. And yeah, the kind of things that I've spoken about tonight, these are the kinds of things that we talk about on the calls. So I'll put a link to this in the info box below. You can go and check this out and uh, look at some of the questions that we're talking about on Sunday. And if you're new to this whole member Discord call concept, we do these every couple of weeks and the topics change. So two weeks ago we looked at Total Recall. Uh, two weeks before that we looked at 12 Monkeys. Two weeks before that we looked at a whole ton of different conspiracy theories, including the idea that the fuel that we put in our cars does not come from below the earth. And there's about 50 of those calls now, maybe close to 60 of those calls, average about two hours in length, that are available only to members of JohnLeBond.com. So there's a complete library now, complete back catalogue of well over 100 hours of podcasts, plus dozens of member videos, plus dozens of articles, all available exclusively to members of JohnLeBond.com. And it's taken me years to build up all of this, a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I've only been able to do it because I've been supported by all of these people. All the people that you see on the sidebar, they're the ones that make this possible. If they disappear tomorrow, so do I. I go back and get a normal job. And a normal job would pay more than, than this job pays, but this job allows me to focus on what I'm passionate about. So that's why I'm doing it now, when I'm still young enough to, to not have to worry too much about uh, making too much money. And it allows me to travel as well, which is pretty cool. I can do this from uh, anywhere that has an internet connection. But it's only possible because of all these guys. So that's why they're the ones who get all of the exclusive content. And some people say, oh, well, 
your material is the truth, so it should be free. And it's like, my, my, my material is not the truth. It's me and a bunch of people like me discussing these ideas. We are not the truth. I'm not the truth. I don't have the truth. Uh, what I'm offering is not the truth. It is a website full of people who like to discuss things and who don't believe, most of them anyway, don't believe that paid shields are coming to get them. Don't believe that we're victims. Don't believe we should sit around complaining about stuff. What a complete waste of time that is. There's a whole world to explore, inner and outer. And uh, that's what I've tried to build up a community of, an e-community of, uh, online with the website and the Discord server. So if you're a member of the Discord server, I'll hopefully see you on Sunday for the call. It'll be myself and Fung will be there. You can be there too. You can come and just listen. You can come and partake in the call. All of that is explained in the post in the info box below. But on the 9th of November 2019, a big thanks to everyone who's been in the chat. The old crew, um, Validation Boy, Timmy Osman, Matrix Decode, guys who were there at the time, Nathan Oakley, cool to see you guys there. Send me an email, you guys. If you're interested in making something happen, send me an email. Let's, let's make a call happen soon, yeah? All of the members of the website, TNG, Dipey Dipey, Nate, some of the newer guys were in there as well. Um, Dr. Myers was in the chat as well. Some of these newer people on the website, good to see them in the chat. All of you people who are new to my channel or who are sort of new to what I'm doing with, with the website and that, hope you've enjoyed the call. I've enjoyed putting it together, but I have to go to bed. It's 2.20 and as you can tell, I'm, I'm struggling here. So on the 9th of November, 2019, John LeBond signing off. Hopefully see you on Sunday. And uh, until next time, remember, no more monkey business.